Isn't it wild to think about how much the internet has changed media in our lifetimes? Netflix left DVD stores deserted, Spotify wiped out CDs, and YouTube has mostly replaced cable TV. One of the entertainment industries that's changed the most, I think, is pornography. To me, and anyone else who grew up with the internet, the idea of going to an adult film store or searching the garage for hidden magazines is like lighting up a cigarette on an airplane. I mean, it's weird enough to think about our parents watching porn, but imagine they had to walk into a store to get it. With free online porn, now anyone can get it pretty much anywhere, anytime. Porn tells us a lot of things about sex, sexuality, gender, relationships. That can be a lot of information to take in in a culture where we try really hard not to talk about sex, especially with young people. The fact is, porn is out there and it's not being talked about. Teachers avoid it in sex ed, and I think my parents would have died of embarrassment before they sat me down for that talk. I have an issue with this. If we're too afraid to talk about porn, how are we supposed to understand it and everything it has to say about sex? That's why I created this podcast. If you're at all curious about porn or just interested in learning more about sex, sexuality, and gender, stay tuned. Welcome to Porn Lit with Astrid, a limited podcast series designed to develop the media literacy skills we need to become critical consumers of sexually explicit media, aka pornography, aka porn. Hi, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Astrid, your host of Porn Lit. And I am an undergraduate student at Mount Allison University, where I've spent the summer researching the effects of pornography on young people, sexual and dating violence, and sex education in Canada. While I want to make sex education as inclusive and representative as possible, I'm also a cis, aka the gender I identify with matches the sex organs I was born with, white woman, meaning my experiences are limited and impacted by these identities. I want to make it clear that while I've spent a lot of time thinking, reading, and writing about porn this summer, I'm still learning. I want to share some of the things I've learned, and I encourage you to talk with your friends about what you hear on this pod and reach out to a trusted adult like a parent or teacher if you have any questions. I'm also going to list a ton of resources in the show notes where you can get more information on everything from STI testing, general sex ed, and support for survivors of sexual violence. During this podcast, we are, of course, going to be talking about porn. 
we're going to talk about what porn says about consent and violence and how porn represents different genders and races and sexualities and body types. And we're going to pull back the curtain and look at the industry behind free mainstream online porn. So what is porn exactly? This question is a little bit complicated. What do you think of when you think of pornography? Is there a difference between porn and art? What would that look like? For the purposes of the pod, I will define pornography as sexually explicit media intended to arouse. There's a range of explicitness that pornographic material falls into, from steamy romance novels to semi-naked photos to close-up clips of people engaging in sexual acts. In this pod, I'm mostly going to be talking about mainstream heterosexual porn that's freely accessible online. My focus is here because these sites tend to be at the far end of the explicit spectrum, and they're free, have so many videos, and get so much traffic every day, so it's a more likely form of porn for young people to access. The most popular of these sites attracts 3.5 billion visits a month, more than Netflix or Amazon. And in 2019, received almost 7 million new uploads. Now, I want to make it clear, I'm not pro or anti-porn. I'm not here to push either standpoint on you. I just want to offer relevant research in the field and talk about what we know and don't know about porn and how it might affect us. While I don't expect that everyone listening has already seen porn, I'm not here to shame anyone for watching it. Whether you've come across it by accident or you enjoy watching it regularly, porn is kind of an inevitable part of growing up with the internet. And there's nothing shameful about having questions or being curious about sex and sexuality. But because sexuality is something that's still pretty taboo and can be kind of uncomfortable to talk about, we kind of just don't. Girls who are stereotypically thought to not have as much sexual desire or drive as boys, and anyone who might be questioning their sexual orientation or gender identity might especially feel this stigma. Watching porn is a normal part of growing up. That doesn't mean that everyone does or wants to, but you shouldn't feel ashamed if you do. At Pornlit, I'm focused on media literacy, which means not regulating or limiting the content of media you consume, but teaching you how to think critically so you're more informed with what you see in the media. I remember being taught in school how to decide whether a news source was accurate or reliable. Now Twitter even flags tweets that spread misinformation and fake news. We know that we can't believe everything we read or see on the internet, but sometimes it's not clear where to draw the line. Embarrassingly, I can admit that I've been fooled by a Snapchat headline detailing Kim and Pete's tragic split before. What's important to remember about porn is that it's not real sex. It's a movie showing a fantasy. Porn is made to be an entertainment, not an education industry. 
Let's put it this way. We're not watching Stranger Things to learn about the history of America in the 1980s, right? It's the same thing with porn. Human sexuality is diverse, but mainstream porn is created to entertain and to earn money. So it tends to show certain kinds of sexual behavior. Sex from certain perspectives and not others. The thing is, though, there really aren't a ton of places where young people can go to learn about sex. So often porn is all we have. We know that sex education in Canadian schools is just not cutting it. Based on a report published in 2020 by Action Canada for Sexual Health and Reproductive Rights, most sex ed you get in this country is outdated, it's not comprehensive, and teachers don't get enough training to deliver the curriculum. The sex ed you get depends on what province you live in, your school board, and what kind of resources your school has. This does not make for equal access to education. For instance, in the province where I go to school, the 8th grade sexual health curriculum hasn't been updated since 2005. For reference, that was five years before Instagram was launched, two years before the first iPhone was released, and two years before Pornhub hit the internet. Without good sex ed, you might not feel prepared to have conversations about sexual health and desire and consent and boundaries. So porn might seem like a good alternative to fill in some of those gaps. And even if you're not watching porn with the intention of learning about sex, research suggests that it's still teaching us. I like to compare it to seeing ads or influencer posts on social media. We know that photos are edited to cover up imperfections, and folks on Instagram use filters and face editing apps to do the same thing. The point is, we know that it's not necessarily real, but that doesn't always stop us, especially our subconscious brains, from wanting to look a certain way or thinking that we're not as good if we don't. We absorb messages all the time, and if porn is the only place we see sex happening, it becomes a tool to learn about what sex is, what the rules of sex are, and how it works. It's kind of like taking an intentionally blurry photo for the perfect casual photo dump, building your wardrobe around tiny shirt, big pant model, or putting chlorophyll drops in your water so you can be that girl. In psychology, this is called sexual script theory. Basically, this is the theory that what we see and hear around us, and particularly in the media, imprints on our memory. And when we go to make decisions, sometimes it's easier to draw from that memory structure than do some critical analysis to think about what we actually want to do. So even though porn is entertainment that depicts a fantasy, it also gives a sexual script to follow. When we see certain scripts repeated, like for instance, hair pulling is part of sex, they're more likely to become just a normal part of how we see the world and give us expectations for real world sexual experiences. That might give us the impression that what we see in porn is expected or necessary for sex. To be completely transparent, 
There is a lot of research out there about porn, but there's still a lot that we don't know or can't be sure about. For instance, can porn be addictive? You might have heard that if you watch too much porn, you'll get addicted, or your sex drive will be ruined and you'll be desensitized to sex in real life. Well, most experts agree that you can't be addicted to porn in the ways that you can be addicted to alcohol or drugs because it doesn't affect your brain chemistry in the same way. But that doesn't mean it doesn't mess with our heads. As far as researchers can tell, it is possible to become compulsive about pornography use. So it's important to pay attention to how or if watching porn is getting in the way of everyday life. If it is, that might be an indication that it's becoming a compulsive behavior rather than a casual activity. One thing we do know is that it's really common for teens and young adults to watch porn. A 2019 report from the British Board of Film Classification reported that 66% of 14 to 15-year-olds had seen pornography online. A 2020 survey of nearly 3,000 Canadian teens found that over half watch pornography online every week. By the time they're 18, nearly all boys and more than half of girls had seen pornography online. It's definitely out there, and I think it's unrealistic to think that many teens haven't seen it. Ignoring something because we don't want to talk about it doesn't help anyone in the long run. Over the next couple episodes, we're going to speak honestly about what porn leaves out and discuss ways you can introduce tough subjects with intimate partners. We're going to be talking about how common it is to see violence in porn, how little we see consent discussed, and how important aspects of safe sex are overlooked. We'll talk about gender roles in heterosexual porn and how the narrative of sex is built around male pleasure. We'll talk about the different kinds of bodies we see and the stereotypes that mainstream porn perpetuates for people of color. Then we'll unpack the fantasy that porn creates by looking behind the scenes at the history, the producers, the performers, and the multi-billion dollar industry that is online porn. So, if you're at all curious about sex and the big wide world of online porn, stay tuned. Hopefully along the way, you'll start to feel empowered with the literacy skills to think about what porn might be saying and what that means for you. I'm Astrid, this is Porn Lit, and we're just getting started. I'd like to thank Dr. Lisa Don Hamilton and Dr. Robbie Moser for their generous instruction, feedback, and supervision throughout this research project, as well as Matt Tunnicliffe for advising the making of this podcast. Podcast production by Jeremy Dahl at Pale Blue Dot Studios. This project was made possible by an independent student research grant through Mount Allison University.